and welcome to the very first episode of Trish of the Day with me, Trish. So who am I? Well, I'm Trish. I'm a happily divorced lover of life. I love culture, although I'm not fully on board with graffiti art. I love my job in a small industrial equipment suppliers and I'm very much a people person, unless the people are idiots. I have a wide circle of interests and friends, some of whom will be joining me on this podcast. So what is Trish of the Day? Well, it's a brand new bite-sized magazine podcast show. Think this morning. Think Good Morning Britain. Good Morning with Anne and Nick. Hello, Lionel Richie. It's a magazine show, but it's a podcast, which means you can listen to it on the go. And I don't have to get dressed if I don't want to. I will, though, because some of you might be weirdos. Firstly, I'd like to thank my nephew, Ryan, for setting me up with his computer and microphone to do the recording. But next time, Ryan, can you please remove the background picture that I'm looking at on your computer screen? I'm no prude, but that's just not hygienic. In each episode, we'll be discussing hot topics, entertaining themes and the questions everyone's asking with a few special guests along the way. So, as they say at the Waxing Salon, let's get cracking. Now, it's a fact that 90% of the work for a podcast goes into coming up with a catchy title. I do apologise if you just heard my stomach rumble then. (laughs) I've only had a crumpet all day. Where was I? Oh, yes. Why did I call it Trish of the Day? Well, I do like a clever pun, and like a dish of the day, I'm rather special. It's not as easy as it sounds, though, coming up with a name, and before I did, I took my trusty microphone onto the streets to ask the great British public in my local area to see if they could come up with a title for the show based on my name. So we're launching a new show, and I'm looking for ideas for a title based on my name, Trish. Do you have any suggestions? Trish out of water. Big Trish in a little pond. Big? Really? Mastermind? No. Trish fingers? <laughs> no, Trish and chips. <laughs> what are you talking about? Britain's got talent. No, you don't get it. It's supposed to be to do with my name, Trish. Britain's got talent, Trish. Okay, thanks. Bye. Line of duty, Trish. As you can see, a fat lot of good they were. So I came up with the title myself. Right, so on to our first item. I was reading in the paper the other day a story about a woman who married a 300-year-old ghost. And it got me thinking. Firstly, how can a 300-year-old ghost get someone to marry it when I can't even get past the second date? And I'm alive. But also, I've always been fascinated by the supernatural. And on the other end of the telephone line, I've got someone who's a bit of a self-proclaimed expert in these matters and who also says she has first-hand experience of the other side. It's none other than my mum, Shirley. Hello, mum. I should say, is anybody there? Mum, is anybody there? Oh, hello, Trish. Sorry about that. I've got mayonnaise all in my handbag. So thank you for joining me. Now, you are a firm believer in ghosts and the supernatural and, and all that sort of thing, aren't you? Yes, definitely. And you've experienced first-hand apparitions from the other side? Oh, yeah, loads. Uh, in fact, they're always haunting my spare room. Why is that, do you think? Well, I'm a great hostess who creates a warm and welcoming environment. Last year, I had Princess Diana staying, just for a few days, you know, but um, I left her a few snacks out on a plate and a drink for her. Like Santa. 
I've had so many stay with me over the years. It's like a B&B. I should charge them. You could call it dead and breakfast. That's a bit disrespectful, Trish. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. Anyway, I'm sure my listeners would love to hear more about your paranormal experiences. Tell everybody that story you told me last Wednesday. Well, my next-door neighbour, Stanley, got a vacuum pipe stuck up his bum and... He... No, no, Mum. About the ghosts? Oh, um. About the first time you saw one? Oh, yes, so... I remember, yeah, the first time I saw a ghost, I was about 14. Mm -hmm. I woke up in the middle of the night, yeah. and there at the end of my bed, I could see an old lady staring at me. <gasps> and standing right next to her was a ghost. Terrifying. But you know, Mum, I've been meaning to tell you, actually. In the past few weeks, I've been seeing white feathers everywhere I go. Now, I read that that means something, doesn't it? Oh, yes, yes. The white feathers indicate that you're being visited by a spirit. That's what I'd heard, yes. Yeah. So I racked my brains, wondering who it could be, and then it dawned on me. It must be that swan that I ran over the week before. Very spooky. Anyway, Mum, your mother was a big one for the occult, wasn't she? Uh, my nana, old Granny Gooch. Oh, yes, bless her. Every Sunday after my dad had gone to bed drunk mm. at about you know 5pm, She'd gather all the kids round, yeah. and her sister and her kids, and we'd draw the curtains, and we'd all do a Ouija board and try and talk to the dead, you know, summon up the spirits. Did many come through? Yeah, a lot did come through. But the problem was, sometimes we thought we'd got someone from royalty or history coming through, but it turns out it was just the ghosts of kids mucking about. Well, you know what kids are like. But anyway, the last time we did it, we got through to John F. Kennedy. And we thought at first it could have been those ghost kids messing about again. But uh, we asked JFK some questions about Cuba that kids just wouldn't know the answer to. Um, I mean, we didn't really know either, to be honest. But anyway, he answered the questions. So we couldn't argue with that. It was definitely JFK. <gasps> and so he was communicating and telling us all about Jackie O. Mm -hmm. Apparently, she used to cut her toenails in bed. Well. Drove him mad, it did. And he was telling us about a party he went to, you know, in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was there as well. So that was really awkward for him. <gasps> but we didn't do it again after that. Why? Well, it just got too real. Oh, Mum, how scary. I know. I mean, it was absolutely terrifying at times. And, uh, and we were all traumatised and on medication, you know, for years because mm -hmm. none of us could sleep. But it was just really nice to do stuff as a family, you know. Yeah. We've lost that nowadays. Anyway, I've got to go, Trish. Uh, I'm going to get my bandage changed. So uh, I'll see you Sunday. Um, I'm doing egg salad, but if you want free range, you'll have to bring your own. All right. Bye. Try, love. OK, bye, Mum. Well, thanks for that, my mother, Shirley. I don't know about you, but I definitely got an icy shiver during that. Mind you, I had the flu vaccine yesterday, so it could be a side effect of that. Now, cosmetic surgery seems to be all the rage nowadays. They say that procedures have got much more sophisticated and technologically advanced over recent years. I disagree, though. If modern cosmetic surgeons are so good, how come everyone that has it done looks exactly the same? It's like they can only do that one face. And, you know, I've often asked myself if I would consider succumbing to the cosmetic surgeon's scalpel. And I honestly don't know. 
So I've asked around some of my friends if they've had anything done, and one of them had, and she's joining me now. It's my friend and colleague, when she turns up, Sue. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Sue. Thanks, Trish. Um, can I just ask, this isn't going out live, is it? Just because I'm supposed to be doing a, a team building thing in Swindon today. No, don't worry, Sue. I just need to get Ryan to edit that bit out. Now, you've had a cosmetic procedure, haven't you, Sue? But I told you not to tell me what it was because um, I'd like to try and guess. Yes, that's right, Trish. Uh, I had it done about three years ago. OK, well, so let's have a look at you. Um, did you have one of your boobs lowered? Uh, no. OK. Um, did you have your shoulders broadened, you know, like internal shoulder pads? No. Your feet made wider? No. Your knees? My knees? Yeah, maybe you had the definition taken out of them. No. I think you better just tell me, Sue, before I put my dainty little narrow foot in it. Well, actually, I've had eyelash implants. I didn't know that was a thing. How do they do it? Well, first, they pluck your eyelashes completely out. And then they just take hairs from elsewhere in your body and stick them in your eyelid. I see. Well, that sounds simple enough, Sue. Is it expensive? It was for me, yeah, because I had it done twice, you see. How come? Well, it's my own fault, really. The first time, I went for a cheaper option, which is where they use pubic hair. Oh, your own, I hope, Sue. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't go for the absolute cheapest option. And were you pleased with the pubic implants? It's not a sentence I ever thought I'd have to say. Um, but, you know, how did they look? Well, let's just say I never needed an eyelash curler. But then uh, the first time I had a bath, they all fell out. So I had to get it done again. The expensive one this time. So anyway, to save time, they just told me to bring my hair in in a little Ziploc bag. Well, they do look very thick and lush, Sue. They do. and I, I did cheat a little bit, though. These are actually from Harry, my chinchilla. Your chinchilla? So your new eyelashes came from your hairy hamster? Look, I think you should please reassure my listeners, Sue, that Harry didn't suffer any cruelty when you extracted his hair. Oh, God, no, no. No, the week before, I dropped his cage and all his hair had fallen out anyway, you know, with the trauma. So it was a gift, really. OK, well, we'll wrap it up there, Sue. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And I'll, uh, I'll see you in the office tomorrow, then, at the crack of 20 to 11, probably. See ya. Here's a riddle for you. Lots of us have them, some of us are embarrassed by them, and sometimes they stop us getting jobs. What am I talking about? No, not racist relatives. It is, of course, accents. Now, when I found out my niece, Kerry-Anne, had a new boyfriend who was an accent coach, well, I just had to get him onto the podcast. So, will you please welcome Patrick? Hello, Patrick. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome, Trish. Thank you for having me. Now, um, you don't really have an accent, just like me, so... Where... Well, if I can stop you there, Trish, when you speak, I can detect a Birmingham accent. I beg your pardon? It's experience, you see. I can spot things that maybe those with an untrained ear can't. Mm-hmm. So, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Essex. I grew up between Romford and Ilford, didn't I? No idea. I've literally just met you. So what does the Essex accent sound like, Patrick? I just did it. OK. Um, now, you've been an accent coach to actors on TV and in movies, apparently. Um, anything we might have heard of? 
Uh, well, a few TV shows such as Romping Home, um, Westlake Creek, and the movie Flowers for Lulu. So, no then. Um, OK, well, tell me about the last project you worked on. Well, that was the movie Flowers for Lulu, which is set in New York, but some of the actors were British, so that's where I came in. You know, in my Amdram days, I used to do a variety of accents. I think um, I just have a natural flair for it. They do say that people who are good at singing are also good at accents, and maths, bizarrely, which I am. OK, well, I'd, I'd love to hear your New York accent, Trish. Um, now, what I do is I start with a phrase and use that as a, a go-to phrase when I need to get back into an accent. So uh, mine is, can I get a pastrami on rye? Hold the mayo. OK, uh, here we go. Can I get a pastrami and rye? Hold the mayo? I mean, good effort, but it's not quite New York. Beg your pardon? I mean, not everyone can do it. The New York accent, it's very nasal and full of character. Um, Try this. Can I get a pastrami and rye? Hold the mayo. Can I get a pastrami and rye? Hold the mayo. Oh, not as good. <laughs> I think you've peaked. <laughs> Let's try something else. Um, OK, we've done New York. Let's try something from the South. Uh, when I worked on Romping Home, I taught this one to Daryl Hannah. Who's he? Um, it's the woman who was the mermaid in Splash. Oh, yes. She wears an eye patch now, doesn't she? No, she wore an eye patch in Kill Bill, which was, like, 2003. I'm sorry, um, accent coach or Daryl Hannah's biographer? Um, Go on, then, do your stuff. OK. Can I get a pastrami rye? Hold the meal. So when you said south, you meant Africa. That's Texas. Well, I suppose Texas is a big place, isn't it? I mean, as I said, not everyone has the ear to hear it, Trish. It's not your fault. So can you do any others? Yeah, of course. What do you want? Um, OK, what about French? OK, well, the French accent is quite easy. It's throaty, nosy. Raspy, grumpy, dopey, sneezy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Now go on, carry on. Uh, so putting it all together, can I get you pastrami right? Hold the mule. No offence, Patrick, but that sounded like a tent zip. What? I'm going to put you on the spot now, uh, Patrick. Um, little on the spot speed test. Okay, next one, Italian. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So British people think that Italians talk a lot. They don't. They just have more syllables. And so when don't they... Don't need the backstory. Just do the phrase. Go. Can I get the pastrami on the rye? Hold the mayo. Scottish. Can I get pastrami on the rye? Hold the mayo. I said Scottish, but never mind. Scooby-Doo. That's not an accent. I thought you were a professional, Patrick. Yoda. Pastrami on rye. Can I get the mayo? Hold. A Dalek. Can I get the pastrami on rye? Hold the mayo. Donald Duck. <laughs> a dolphin. Um, I, I... Come on, Patrick. I, I can't, I can't, oh, I can't. Patrick, what a shame. Fell at the last hurdle. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining me anyway. Um, what a shame to end on a downer. Never mind, keep practising and maybe one day my untrained ear will come across some of your work in something we've all heard of. So there we are. I do hope you enjoyed it. I certainly have. And I look forward to welcoming you again. But before I go, just think on this. If you can keep your head 
while others around are losing theirs. You're probably Anne of Cleves. See you next time. Trisha the Day was written, performed and produced by Craig Dealey. It is a Literally the Joke production.